0: Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that encourages and equips Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, Daniel and I look at Brandon Kimber's popular Christian documentary, American Gospel, Christ Alone. This movie was chosen by the lovely patrons who support Cinematic Doctrine with a small monthly donation. For as little as $3, you too can have the opportunity to vote for a movie we discuss at the end of each month by heading over to Cinematic Doctrine's Patreon. A link will be available in the show notes. American Gospel Christ Alone has been a word-of-mouth juggernaut in Christian circles both online and offline. I remember the impact it had in social media reformed groups back in 2018, and I even remember when my pastor was recommending it at the pulpit during morning announcements. It was crazy. Now, in 2020, it's landed on Netflix and you would think it was American Gospel Christ Alone's second coming as groups online and offline have been praising its successes. Again, it's crazy and quite encouraging to see. Throughout the episode, we talk about balancing an appropriate appreciation of the documentary alongside healthier Critique, how American Gospel Christ Alone has both an excitement and frustration within its response to the Prosperity Gospel, and in our closing section, which runs quite long this time around, Daniel shares at length his first-hand experience with the Prosperity Gospel and reveals how deep its damaging roots have entered the American culture. But enough about that, if I share anything else beyond this point, you're gonna basically be hearing what the episode's about. So let's get the ball rolling. Let me tell you what American Gospel Christ Alone is all about first. Exploring the core question of Christianity, what is the gospel, American Gospel Christ Alone juxtaposes the gospel as proposed in scripture against the gospel proposed by popular western televangelists, while shining a light on real-life accounts from several prosperity gospel survivors and the dangers that lurk around every corner in misunderstanding and twisting the word of God for monetary gain. American Gospel Christ Alone is rated TV PG. IMDb doesn't have a detailed certificate, so I'm going to run off what Netflix describes in their certificate. Suicide, Substances, and Language Unfortunately, this is a hard film to contextualize because there's simply so much to go through, but any mentions of suicide in this film are neither graphic nor heavily focused on. In fact, I think the scene it's talking about is a talking head about how a man nearly died by not seeking medical attention. Substance-wise, a character shares in their past life that they had dealt with drugs, both dealing and using. And language-wise, man, I don't think there really was any. I am just so sorry for not contextualizing this very well. In all honesty, I'm not sure Netflix's certificate makes the most sense having seen this film twice now, but you know the drill. We here at Cinematic Doctrine like to make sure you know what you're getting into and contextualizing any certificate we can helps give you, the listener, a grounded place for understanding the content of the film. Honestly, the things that may be the most challenging are stories of those less fortunate being exploited. Accounts of those with physical ailments or sicknesses being manipulated or rejected will make any good person's stomach turn, and while that's not necessarily graphic content, it is definitely hard to watch. Now before we head into our American Gospel Christ Alone discussion, I wanted to share real quick that if you've come to enjoy Cinematic Doctrine, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. Apart from that, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a website for independent content creators to raise support for their work. By creating an account on Patreon, you can select a content creator you like and support them with a monthly donation. If you enjoy Cinematic Doctrine and would like to support the show, consider donating, as it helps cover the cost of producing the podcast. And as a bonus, if you support Cinematic Doctrine for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a -a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast, just like this one. You also gain access to the SynDoc pre-show, the Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check them out at patreon.com forward slash Cinematic Doctrine. Without further ado, here's our thoughts on American Gospel, Christ Alone. So Dan, would you consider American Gospel, Christ Alone, the the modern Christian... Blockbuster?
1: No, I don't. <laughs> I don't.
0: I don't understand it, the question either. I just, just yeah thought I'd
1: ask. What would be a Christian blockbuster? God's not dead. Oh, jeez. I don't know why I was so disgusted about an answer. Like it immediately took me <laughs> back for some reason. <laughs> uh.
0: God, uh, this not is dead. This
1: this has nothing to do with our episode, but I think the closest thing to an actual Christian I think I mean Christian blockbusters there used to be a lot more biblical epics like Cecil B. DeMille type of movies, and a lot of it was because you could get away with putting in like transgressive or controversial content under the guise of like, well, it's part of the biblical narrative. So there would be like Films back in the 40s and 50s, for example, like Ten Commandments. Well, like Ten Commandments is a Ten Commandments is a pretty wholesome movie overall, and I think that's I think that's one of the great American films, and I think it's a required viewing if you want to consider yourself complete with the American film canon. But like you'd be movies like oh, there'd be movies that were pur- purposely set during like Caligula type times, and not even just talk about the movie Caligula itself, but movies set during that period, or they'd focus on Emperor Nero's madness, so they include like sexual content or extreme violence. Or they would try and like really focus on like people getting eaten by lions or something like that. So I guess those would be considered Christian blockbusters. Like you talk about Barabbas or The Robe or yeah Ten Commandments, the greatest story ever told. Ben Hur was a is another great example of that classic. Yeah, I think a more modern. Th- Closely to Christian blockbusters in modern times outside of something like Noah or Exodus, Gods, and Kings, both of which are very <laughs> controversial. Exodus is yeah. controversial because it's bad. Noah is controversial because... Darren Aronofsky. Be, yeah, because <laughs> Darren Aronofsky, but to be more specific, Darren Aronofsky's like, inclusion of things from like Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism and uh, intertestamental and apocryphal books and things like that, like, or focusing on the on Nephilim for some reason, which is crazy. Um, what a guy! Or even like the Con- the Conjuring films, which are very Catholic in their theology, both understanding of demonology and in the way spiritual warfare works. But I think it's super interesting. So then,
0: on like a spectrum, would where would American Gospel Christ Alone
1: land? I think it's a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and i think it, it's both surprising and makes complete sense and if on netflix it feels like a movie made for netflix in a lot of ways where it's kind of meandering it's kind of a little log but it has a very passionate core and good content and it's very niche in its appeal where this was this is made for a specific audience but an audience that would surely subscribe and tune in to see it and so, if you if if I just stumbled upon this on Netflix, and you told me this is a Netflix original, I'd believed you probably. But yeah i I, don't, I have no idea why you decided to start with a weird question about if it's a Christian blockbuster or not. <laughs> That's
0: what happens when you ain't got a script, folks. Yeah, <laughs> there you go.
1: That's what happens when you record this once and you have to re-record it a second time because yeah, now I guess. <laughs> in the great canon of, of cinematic Doctor, and we recorded an episode about this like a week ago. And then when Melvin went to edit, it's gone. Or at least my audio is apparently gone.
0: Totally vanished. In fact, now what we're doing is the two of us are recording using a, a very great, like this is not the, maybe it is the application's fault, but I've been using it for a very long time. We're using Zencaster, which is used for podcasters to record audio and good quality audio too. But the two of us also have our voice recording application open on our computers, recording a second line of our audio for security's sake. In fact, it's this is one of those episodes where I found this out this morning that the audio we recorded last week for American Gospel just wasn't there. And so I texted Dan. I was like, dude, I know you and I were going to record a uh, autumnist fowl, <laughs> but maybe the Lord is just trying to Which save us from that. We'll still do if y'all want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh and the lord just decided nope you got to do this again so here we are here we are talking about it again no script that's why we started the way we did you got a rundown of uh christian in name films paired with probably some good christian movies too. yeah
1: I, i'll defend ben-hur and 10 commandments very strongly
0: but yeah here we are talking about a documentary american gospel not a blockbuster <laughs> but a uh, streaming blockbuster. I mean, it had yeah. word of mouth travel was pretty good, especially when it landed on Netflix again. Is,
1: is is Redbox Buster something? Is that a joke? Redbox Buster is that a thing? I can is, is Redbox relevant enough where I could make that reference, or is Redbox officially gone? Depends on what region you're in. I guess that's true.
0: I think Redbox
1: might be gone now.
0: Although I don't know what maintenance they have to pay other than storefront fees and electricity. But who knows? I still have Redbox near me and I love it. I still love going there to get get movies for dirt cheap. So, yeah, I could say Redbox Buster. Sure. OK, that's not to undermine it. It's good. I think it's I think the movie's good and we'll
1: get into that. I think it's quite good. You know, there there's there's positives to having to re record this. And one of them is that I now get to re record this episode after having having a conversation with both my wife and my mother-in-law about the movie itself because so initially when you pitched me this movie and there was a, there was a sense of kind of obligation where American gospel had just come out on Netflix. And I remember seeing people talking about it. A number of people on, I think even people on Twitter were like doing this whole thing where they're like, praise God this movies finally on Netflix, that kind of thing. And so it was a sense of like, okay, we're a Christian movie podcast. We kind of have to talk about this movie. And I hadn't seen it yet, and I think you had already seen it once. Yes,
0: thoroughly enjoyed it that time. Good, because yeah. I
1: also enjoyed it, so be, <laughs> it's good that we were on the same page. But So there was a kind of like, okay, whatever, I'll put it on. And it was like a two-and-a-half-hour documentary about Christianity, I guess. I knew I knew it was very popular in reform circles, and kind of my impression of it, just from word of mouth as people talk about it, was this kind of was a Preaching to the Choir film for the Reformed crowd which I was not particularly interested in watching at all because I already get enough of that from the, the reformed crowd and being reformed circles. So I was like, okay, great. And so I put it on, I put it on also like firing up my PS4. I was like, okay, I'll put this, I'll treat it like a podcast. I'll listen to it kind of while playing video games. My wife was in the room with me reading and about 20 to 30 minutes into it. My wife put her book down and was like, how are you even going to review this? Because up to that point, it was just kind of people going over what the gospel is, which it was good stuff. And it's accurate. I don't disagree with the content of the movie at all. But up to that point, it was kind of, okay. this is good content. But this is the gospel. This sure is the gospel.
0: That's what it is.
1: As advertised in in the title. So what exactly do we talk about as far as like a movie critique goes? But then as the movie kept going along. After about the 45 minute mark and you get to an hour in, I'd put my controller down. My wife would put her book down and we both were just sitting there watching the movie together. And so after letting it marinate a little bit and getting to talk about it with my mother-in-law and talking about it with my wife more, it is. I would say my opinion of it has improved since we last talked about it. And it wasn't like I had a negative opinion of it before. But overall, I really enjoyed it for its content we both have issues with its structure and some of the editing, editing decisions that were made. And some of the basic sort of documentary filmmaking decisions that were made, but I think overall you and I have a very positive uh, feeling. And actually that's something that to ask, like what, how has your feelings on the movie changed after letting it sort of sit for a little bit?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, I mean, that's what's really sweet about this. Like even just having this little mistake happen is that like the Lord, basically (laughs) basically it mandated that we're gonna take a little time and sit on it and then get back together and so i'm excited to see how this turns out and hopefully well this is listener this is your first time hearing it so (laughs) it's not like you get to enjoy that uh per se but so yeah i um so i initially watched this about a year ago and it was a it was a good experience because it like like daniel said it's got great content the the gospel is made very clear. The use of imagery, as movies do, was very effective. I thought the graphics that they provided helped really make clear some certain complex complex aspects of the Christian gospel. It even at times to help define the gospel gave examples of misunderstandings of the gospel. And this is all within the first 40 minutes where you don't really start to detail the effects of what misunderstanding the gospel is like, which is probably why the first 40 minutes are so, so focused on what is the gospel, what is the gospel, which I would argue is both positive because it's always great learning about the gospel. And I'm always thoroughly, thoroughly pleased to be learning about the gospel. I have no complaints about that, I think most christians as they grow more to be like christ will find that they will be thinking about the gospel if not daily or if not hourly they will be thinking about it daily lord willing but there is like the yeah there's that structural thing where like even even when i was watching it that first time and even now like i was very aware of its structural over dependence on clarifying itself over and over mm. the uh, the fact that like it'll say something and then it'll cut away and then it'll say it again, but with different words. And then you think that's enough, but it's going to do it again. <laughs> and that's cool, I guess. And in some cases you need that. I mean. It's it kind of made me think of anime. You know how in anime, like somebody gets punched, and then they show it three times for different angles, (laughs) just to make sure that you saw that this person got punched.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, that doesn't. That's not to undermine. It's it's content. I think it's it's what it's saying is great. And then as it details, as it really gets into the meat of the content of the film, which is showing the effects of giving into the delusion of the prosperity gospel. I know those are really like uh inflammatory that's like delusion is a very inflammatory word i feel like but giving into that and how destructive it can be i thought was quite effective and as it sort of went ahead and chronicled these i think it covers about 6 people 5 people or maybe like 3 main people and then tosses in other people randomly like you think you've been introduced to everybody but then they introduce more more structural issues but as it's showing their lives and like kind of detailing their testimonies of giving into the prosperity gospel and then the Lord revealing the true gospel to them and how their lives will turn out. I don't know. It was. I thought all that was great. I will say, while my initial experience of the film was very good, and I, I had an experience where I had a friend who's pretty, pretty young in faith, um, is a Christian, but young in his faith and understanding of theology, sitting and watching this movie while he was with me was really wonderful. One of the big worries that uh, Daniel and I have spoken about before is this idea, you know, before in the episode that we lost, was that um, the fear of this movie becoming a, you know what, I don't need to explain it, just watch this instead. That's not appropriately following the Great Commission to say, look at this movie and and let it talk for yourself i think the great commission demands an intimate relationship with people in making them disciples sharing the gospel with them however this is a friend i've known for years this is a friend i've been doing bible studies with before this is a friend that i you know i've labored with and lamented with and at times have difficulty with and so there was a form of relief i'll say that watching it with him knowing that there were now these biblical figures that were reliable and wonderful. I mean, they have some really great speakers here that were basically explaining things that, you know, they're just might be better at explaining than me. And I think for him, his experience, I think that was really sweet and wonderful. I also thought like it was one of those cases where I get to, as much as I just said, (laughs) you don't want to treat this movie. Like go watch this for explanations. It's a weird thing. As I'm even saying it out loud, it's sort of a weird experience. But I'm sure anybody listening and you as well, Daniel, understand what I mean, where it's like, you can't reserve this movie to do the work for you. Right. And I don't think that's what I'm explaining here. But it's one of those intimate experiences where by watching this in the presence of him, when we talked about it afterward, it was just a really, well, you know, it wasn't left to sit there. The two of us chatted, chatted about it. He had questions. He wanted to ask specific things. I mean, one of the big things that is so difficult when comparing the gospel that is as is presented in the bible as well as the content of the bible to the prosperity gospel is the reality of like pain and suffering that comes upon trials that the lord leads us into and he had questions about like <laughs> Well, the Lord leads us into trials and difficulty. One of one of the people that shares their testimony is a woman who is just like deathly ill, <laughs> like not deathly ill. It's not a fatal illness. That I don't believe. I think it was just a full on transforming experience from I was perfectly healthy to I now have to eat food through a tube kind of thing, which is pretty bad. And yet she was going. I'm more happy now in the in Christ than I was before when I was totally healthy, and like. Man, boy, do people have questions about that. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it's a my experience of this film is better, but I will confess that watching this for the second time for the podcast was something where I was not looking forward to it purely based on time commitment. The two hours and 20 minutes was not something I was looking forward to. And I don't know. It's it's um it's a weird thing. I don't want to dig into criticisms right away because I like. I like this, you know, and you like this and people like this, but it's something where I did like this, yeah, it is something where it's like, and I, I don't know, maybe we can do that discussion now, not criticism discussion, but man, this is almost exactly the same question I had last time, but, but it's like, it's, 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 it's really, it feels weird bringing forth any sort of reservations about something that's good, especially when it's like, it's got the gospel in it and it's, A really great Christian produced film documentary, I should say. I mean, there's no difference just because it's based on real life doesn't make it not a movie. But it's like hard to bring forth any sort of like weird feelings that I have about it. I don't know if you feel that way about certain films. I mean, it's easy to feel that way about like Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Yeah. But like when you have like any sort of feelings of criticism based either on the artistic presentation or perhaps even content, not that I had any criticisms on content, but but presentation for a film that's made by Christians and is a good Christian film and a good representation of what our art, Christian artists can do when, when given tools. But I don't know. I don't really know how to pose the question I might be having or the feelings I might be having. So, pro- Daniel, okay. the professional distiller of things that I say, what do you, what do you think about that?
1: <laughs> okay. Um, I I don't I don't share similar. <laughs> reservations <laughs> about criticizing things just because they're made by fellow believers and they contain a good Christian message within them. I think I'm of the opinion that part of appreciating something is assessing all that it is, including its flaws. And in this case, I find the flaws of the American gospel almost charming in, because it definitely has a sense of this is this per- one of the, this person's first real full length feature film attempts, even though and the writer and director of this has several other documentaries listed on his IMDb page and all that. But like, there's a, there's a charming sense of part of the issue with the movie is oh, excitement. For instance, I think there isn't there, there is a, I almost get the sense that he was excited to be able to do all these interviews with these Titans of our faith. And so he almost felt needed to jam as many interviews in as he could to the point where it'll, you'll see Paul Washer saying the gospel. Is Christ died on the cross and then a cut to like Nate Pickowitz going, and he died for your sins, and a will cut to someone like <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll cut to Matt Haley being like, and he rose from the grave, you know. And then Paul Washer will vanish. And then Paul Washer isn't seen for another thirty
0: minutes. <laughs> for, for a long time until the va- the end, basically. So it's like the the talking head continuity just isn't there. It's really strange.
1: The talk, to- yeah, the talking head continuity is simultaneously overused but not quite fleshed out a little bit where i sometimes would really prefer if he just sat with somebody for a good couple of minutes to really extrapolate their point and the sound bites themselves are all again all very very good but there is kind of not a structure to how they're presented sort of where you get the sense that he sat down with each person and was like so tell me what the gospel is and then he, from there he sort of tried to like chop it up into a structure that kind of made sense.
0: Which is impressive. That's like a really hard thing to do with documentaries, I feel.
1: It really is. I mean,
0: you have to have an understanding of pacing, you have to under have an understanding of editing, and you have to have an understanding of man, like constructing a comprehensive thought that people six days apart from each other have been saying. Like, you know what I mean? Like they didn't record yeah. all these things within the same day or even within each it, it almost reminds me a bit of like what voice actors have to what directors have to do for voice actors in an animated feature they have to keep the same tonal inflection amongst the conversation and thought while these people are coming into the studio to record days maybe even months after each other you know what i mean and so like to that it's impressive but it is overbearing i think that's really what it gets to but i like i like what you said about charming it is Charming because there's there's definitely a lot of excitement in this movie. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing to describe it as, but definitely excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to be clear that I don't know that for certain. That's just the impression sure. that I get from watching it. And yeah, there is a, a palpable excitement in the air. And I think part of what makes this movie interesting, it might be hard to translate to people who could watch this in the future, even years from now, is that this movie is a response to something. It is it is sort yes. of this culmination yes. of a frustration that a lot of conservative typically reformed christians feel within the United States of America as the American culture specifically within the christian culture has been inundated with basically tv celebrities prosperity preachers uh snake oil salesmen people who you know ask for you to donate money to them so they can get new jets it's There is a sense when when people in the American culture think pastor or they think Christian, the first thing that comes to mind is Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, uh, the people they see on TV and whose books are in Barnes & Noble. And for a long time, this has been the black eye of the Christian faith, especially within Western culture. And so there is there's an excitement, but there's also there's almost a righteous anger and indignation behind the film. Yeah. And that translates very much (laughs) through the while watching it, where, you know, you can feel there's restraint a little bit where they're trying to be respectful of the people they're criticizing. There are times where it crosses over into almost gleeful deconstruction of their points and their positions, which are valid and which are I can see why they'd be so excited to point out the falseness of the idea that. If you're a Christian, you'll never get sick. Or if you're Christian, you will only be blessed with riches and wealth and health and Bentleys and big houses and all that. And that definitely permeates throughout the entire movie, which I felt bad for enjoying at times, but I couldn't help but say, like, you know, Amen. This is so very needed, and I can't wait for everyone to see this. And so that 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 holds this whole structure that holds the yeah, whole movie together. It Really does, because every word that is spoken by by the people in the you know I'm a big fan of Matt Chandler. I like Paul Washer. I I as everyone else does think sometimes he can go a little overboard here and there. And you know, watching the movie I, you know, I our Scott Sauls, Nate Pickowitz, like people that I watch, like follow on Twitter, like seeing them pop up this movie, Jackie Hill Perry. I, I really enjoyed seeing them. And so I thoroughly enjoyed it and I agree with all the content and I have personal reasons for why I agree with the content so much i'm sure we'll get into but both melvin and i are are of the opinion that one area of the movie could be greatly improved is in its basic structure which is it takes a bit to get going and it's weird because they're right in the movie itself there's an opportunity to really create a great narrative structure that the movie just doesn't do if you watch documentaries especially if you watch like true crime documentaries or my wife is a big fan of these documentaries where they go through somebody who has been wrongfully convicted of a crime. And they always have the same structure where you see the crime, you see the trial, you see the presentation, new evidence, you see the retrial and investigation, and then you see the person get released from jail at the end. Um, this movie doesn't really do that. It just sort of starts, it, it hits the ground running. Where people just going, here's what the gospel is. They're just going over the gospels for like 45 minutes. And then about the 45 minute mark, then they start hitting the groove, talking about the prosperity gospel. Then you see people who are very, very sick and ill, and their experiences of trying to be healed. And then the movie just keeps going and it gets into kenosis Then it talks about Catholics and why we shouldn't do ministry with them. And it's just sort of this like like roller coaster ride of a of a story where the documentary keeps kind of jumping around things. Sections don't really have endings. They just keep flowing into each other with no real resolution. And then the movie just sort of I wouldn't say peters out, but it doesn't really hit like a real end point necessarily. It could have ended
0: like three times. It sort of yeah. feels like sometimes when it finishes a point, you're thinking like you're coming up to the end. In fact, I didn't know the initial. So the first time I watched it, I didn't know the runtime. And so there were about five or six times that like you would hear, feel them finalizing a thought. And then it would just like start something new. In fact, when it was doing the whole gospel thing in the beginning because it's almost exactly to the 40 minute mark that it then transitions to the content proper and i was like i guess we're coming to an end and then like it does this camera (laughs) shot of like someone walking down the street and it's like the camera is below like below and behind them and i'm like this is a very different angle for a film that for 40 minutes has just been talking heads and graphic art. And I'm like, I think we're about to do something new. And then you find that it like does that over and over. And I think you're right. There is a point where it's very clear that narratively there is a way when it could have been introduced. It starts with the testimony of these like these three people, which I believe the the most powerful parts of the, of the film are the testimonies of the, of the everyday people. And they start with, if it, if it started with like, here's where they were here is when the prosperity gospel affected them their their life during that time when the true gospel hit them and then going forward and then like you would have had that time to put in maybe maybe a 20 minute explanation of the gospel <laughs> and make that sort of the the turning point because then that would that would almost follow a three act structure you know what i mean yeah but i was thinking like if a non christian plus play they're getting assaulted with a sermon basically in the first 40 minutes. And I guess that's okay. Cause like, I would love for them to actually come to church and listen to a sermon and get to know the community. But thinking of like, I don't know if like, I think that's the, the best and most effective way to draw in your audience, especially a non-Christian audience and say to them that the prosperity of gospels bad. And I, and I want to preface that by saying there are non-Christians that I know of who wholly and completely agree that like prosperity and health and wealth is total and complete exploitation of those who are less fortunate. Uh And so like, why not start with that hook knowing that like in like that would be the case, but I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what are you thinking? You probably are thinking things and I need to stop talking. What are you thinking?
1: <laughs> I'm going to assume that I'm somewhat in agreement with you in the sense of, I think there could have been a much more effective presentation of the movie's content, which is, Um, As you mentioned, half almost like halfway through the documentary, we start hearing the stories of a woman who has a very rare disease, which uh, progresses to the point where she can't eat food. Um, There's another person who is in a wheelchair and he tells the stories of going to various Benny Hinn conferences to be healed. and He's never healed. We were told we were shown a story of two people who initially are into the prosperity gospel and then give up everything in order to be missionaries overseas and if you, if I was just sitting here and I was sitting in the editing room and I was trying to figure out a way to structure my, all of the footage that I've recorded for this documentary in a way that could hook an audience just from a narrative standpoint, in a sense of like, if I was sitting, sitting on to watch a documentary, it would catch my eye and hold my attention for the runtime of this feature. I would have started with, okay, here are these people who are sick, but I went to Benny Hin. Uh, conference and i wasn't healed you know and i tried all these faith and healers and this didn't work but you know it did work and then from there we transition into the gospel and then you could have a moment where they're coming to the lord and that could be a big like turning point in the movie and you could then throughout the movie you could deconstruct these arguments you could talk about kenosis you could talk about how people like kenneth copeland and bill johnson essentially like either deny the deity of christ or assume that adam as in Adam and Eve was Christ. It's very bizarre what kind of believes to the point where I, the movie almost presents a pretty good case for the idea of him not being Christian at all, quite frankly, but they don't do that. The structure is very strange where they start with 40 minutes of explaining the gospel. And then you get this, like they start unfurling the story of these people who've suffered greatly for the gospel, but have accepted the Lord. And now, now that they know the Lord, they are content and happy happier than they were when they were completely physically well. And then the movie just keeps kind of sort of going from there. And I think what we're getting at is this movie would be much more effective as a tool to show to the non-believer or even somebody who's very nominally or loosely a believer had it gone with that route where you can bring your audience in, then show them why these ideas are bad, while also showing them the ways in which the true gospel is perfect and effective on its own and is enough for these people.
0: Sure. I mean, think about, think about like, if you were starting with a believe that the prosperity and health and wealth was the answer to their problems. And then you're before reaching the gospel, you're seeing them run into pitfalls where something's incomplete, like health and wealth doesn't help me here. Well, okay. Well, I kept trying and I s- tried to see where it'd go. Oh, but then like my bounce, my check bounced. Ah, uh, well, if I like one guy just says my check bounced, and he's like, uh, when he was believing it, he said, if I just deny that my check bounced, it won't bounce next time, stuff like that. And kind of, it would almost be like building up a, ca- a case where there are several instances that it's not actually what's being preached is not actually true. And then ultimately, when you have all these things that you're like, here's all these cracks, here's all these cracks, use all these cracks, well, look over here to the gospel where there's, there's your, your cistern isn't even broken. Look at the cistern that you get in Christ. Oh man, it's like perfect and it won't fall apart. And because uh, it made me think of like if I'm talking to somebody, you know, like if I'm getting to know a a friend of mine who's not Christian, like just relationally, the first thing I do isn't <laughs> give him a forty-minute spiel on the gospel. I think there is a format for that. I think there are there like, I think if it is on your heart to feel such immense pain over the fact that there are people who just will be dying and they don't know the gospel. And so you're going out and taking a platform. So like some people don't feel comfortable about like street preachers, but like, I think that's great. I think like that's just as a, just as necessary as other things. It's part of the body of Christ. And I think there's a function for that. But typically in a relationship, I don't start by just detailing like, yeah, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe, blah, blah, blah. It's more of like you start talking, getting to know each other. And like my experience has been is as they're confessing things that are very difficult or very challenging or what they have believed before is not turning out to be true now. And so now they're going, what am I supposed to believe or something like that about this thing? And that's when I confess like, you know, this is what I believe. This is how I feel. This is how this is how scripture paints the picture of what true life and true love in Christ is and how that targets these problems in the world we live in, you know yeah, what I mean? I, and so,
1: but yeah, what I'm just saying is I think different mediums present different avenues and ways to package and present information. And that includes the gospel. And so I think I'm I, who, like, who am I to say the I'm not saying the Lord can't use this movie and that there sure. isn't somebody who's going to flip this on and, Within five minutes, he's you know kneeling on the floor and repenting, and maybe many many people that <laughs> which would be know, great.
0: Com- yeah, if it's true and honest, that's a good thing. I'm I sure. love that.
1: <laughs> I, one of my I have a coworker, and she gave her life to the Lord after stumbling across a Joel Osteen sermon on t- television. Which I'm sure that everything I just said in that sentence is going to send some people reeling. But you know, that's the Lord's going to use what the Lord's going to use. He can speak through a donkey. I have a friend who rededicates like to Christ at John Mayer concert. You know, you never know. Because <laughs> like, yeah. so.
0: that's where seeds can get planted or even watered. And then as the plant grows, it draws towards the true reality of Christ. So absolutely. The, like
1: The Holy Spirit is working in all kinds of people all the time.
0: And I think my favorite quote that you said a couple uh maybe in the last episode or just personally while we were chatting was like, just because Joel Olstein is reading a scripture verse incorrectly doesn't mean it's not inspired. Yeah. <laughs> like that verse is still just as powerful as it is. Like just like Satan is a is a conniving evil mastermind, and he was quoting scripture to Jesus, and Jesus was able to spit it right back at him, which was great. That's awesome. <laughs> but just because Satan's the one saying it doesn't mean the original actual context of those scripture scriptural passages isn't absolutely true. The problem is in the manipulation of the scripture for one's selfish gain. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's very, it's different, but like, yeah, absolutely. Someone could be yeah turning to Christ over Joel Osteen saying something for his own selfish gain, but then yeah. the Lord's just going to be like, I'll use it for my gain instead. I don't know. It's, this world we live in is pretty complex, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it sure is. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine has repeatedly has told me that, you know, he got saved. He gave his life to the Lord after hearing the worst sermon he's ever heard in his entire life. Um, he said, the person I saw was not a speaker. They were not usually somebody who got up in front of a room, but they were asked to you know give a special testimony. And he said, for whatever reason, right when he got to the end, that's when it all just clicked for me. And that's when. I gave my life to the Lord. And I have another friend who he walked into a church. He just was walking by the building and he just, for whatever reason, went inside, sat in the back. And during the sermon, he just bowed his head and quietly gave his life to the Lord. And neither of those situations, there's lots of glitz and glamour. There was, there was no big altar call kind of situation. Um, me in case of the first story I told my friend, he was not listening to an eloquent speaker, but that's, how we got saved. And so in that regard I can't sit here. I'm not sitting here and saying that the American Gospel is totally worthless and bad because it starts the structure is strange <laughs> yeah. and their editing right. choices are bizarre. Right. I'm just saying from a movie perspective. If you were ordering the information for maximum effectiveness, I think there are some improvements. And I think that's a fair criticism of the movie and I have not seen we have not yet watched the second one or at least I haven't, I can't speak for you. But hopefully, you know, maybe in the second one, the structure will be improved and tighten up. This is one of the first real attempts at this kind of movie from this filmmaker. So,
0: the runtime makes me worry for the sequel. I think it's two hours and fifty minutes. I'm a little worried about that. It's even longer than this one. Yep, it is longer. And I think you're the one who told me that he was posting. He was posting cut content too, so it's like
1: I believe so. I saw some clips (laughs) of it online.
0: It's a lot, but I think um, I think what you're sharing too is pretty. Pretty significant because in um I believe it was Greg Gilbert's "What Is the Gospel." There's a section where he remembers like the whole the whole thesis of the book is what's the best what is the way not the best way but what is the core tenets of the gospel that you need to cover to uh, effectively preach the gospel. And unfortunately, I read that a couple of weeks ago, so I don't remember what the core tenancy came from. So that shows, <laughs> shows my mind and how my mind works. I, I retain movies better than books, but I do thoroughly uh-huh. enjoy reading books. But there is a section that I did retain where he says, even though he's, endure, he's pursuing this, trying to write to this thesis, basically, he said he remembers being at a presentation where he said, like, you know, we, we know the true gospel and we know that something like an altar call would be in the modern uh religiously conservative christian groups you wouldn't really do you wouldn't do an altar call and yet he said but raise your hand if you were saved at an altar call and he said like a a significant amount of people raise their hand and his point that he was making was that like you you can figure out the nuanced and specific and and, and meaty way to preach the gospel the right way. But the Lord will probably use even your worst sermon to to really turn people away from their sin. And how awesome is that? I mean, that's like the coolest thing to know that even on your worst day, the Lord is still doing some good work. I mean, what better example to say that the Lord works by faith... (laughs) not by your works kind of thing or that you know you're saved by faith not by works because like man imagine if it was by works imagine if you had to do the best every day to help show people the gospel i mean then nobody's gonna see it man not a single yeah. person based on my example is ever gonna turn away from their sin so it's pretty cool
1: it's a good time to sort of transition. so what is the actual content of this movie <laughs> We're about forty-five minutes into the episode. I think now a good time to talk about what actually is in this movie.
0: I would. Uh, so you're asking me? I don't yeah. Know. I well, because <laughs> well, you're,
1: you're you're talking about not not by works, but by grace, and that's a big point in the movie. So I was trying to transition there into the. And I ruined it. You just, <laughs> I passed you the baton. You just chucked into a river <laughs> nearby.
0: Yeah, content-wise, I mean that was sort of the confusing thing is that early on, you can't figure out what the thesis of it other than like, this is the gospel. But like by the end of it, you it's pretty clear that like the meat of this is, as you've repeated multiple times, the deconstruction of the health and wealth gospel and the prosperity gospel. And so a lot of it is focusing on the dangers of that and and how wrong it is. I don't know how to exactly go into this apart from what we've already talked about. Can you Can you repeat the question in, in a different way?
1: Like what is what is sort of the main thrust of the movie? Like what is the movie trying to say and do? Because I similarly, like twenty, thirty minutes in, I was just kinda like, okay, like what is kind of the point? And so like it initially starts off with just a gospel presentation, which they within the movie they defend, because they're they're going over like, listen, the gospel isn't just for unbelievers, it's for believers as well. And it's something that we all need to be reminded of. And from there it sort of transitions into, here is how the American church has gotten it wrong and so they show a lot of very unflattering clips of people like Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Meyer, Todd White
0: including the one clip that caused you to to laugh which i thought was very
1: funny where uh, yeah we're freaking they're, they're just Joel Osteen is they Joel is talking about how like no no harm will come to you no one will get sick and just cuts to footage of christians being beheaded by isis and it's just like oh wow which it doesn't like,
0: show the beheading they don't show the course, beheading but... they
1: show they show like a news clip of like christians beheaded by isis it's just like okay well it's if there was a more stark like point that they're trying to make i I don't know how they could possibly like illustrate it in a more like blunt punch to the face kind of way
0: they could only make it more stark if they just if we had like actual footage of christ on the cross
1: yes like there would be no other better
0: example apart from like your savior, the son of God,
1: <laughs> is going to suffer. Yeah. You could just show a clip of, like, Jolly <laughs> you preaching on one side. The other side, just a slow countdown of all the people that were martyred for the first 300 years of church history. Yeah. You know, the people that died so that we could read the Bible in English, as my friend Zach likes to say. And from there, the, then they gets into the more specifics, like it talks about – there's a little tangents here, but they talk about kenosis, which is sort of a misguided belief of, like, how human beings – by spirit and soul. There's a whole thing about do you can const- like not to extract but like really just exposing the whole like leg growing thing that people like Todd White like to go and do. Which
0: which was a part that I was like that could have been cut. It's like 6
1: minutes. Do you <laughs> do you be surprised at how prevalent this is though?
0: Yeah, uh, I yeah. Yeah. I I guess cuz I live in a I live in a very a religious location. Like I don't know a lot of people who are even who even have any faith when I went to high school in my area most everybody was just irreligious or religion in name. So like they don't practice. They just say like, oh, I'm Catholic. Ah, I'm Christian. Ah, was and, and so like my experience really is not, uh, let me say it this way. My area is very scientific. It, uh, it kind of is like what's mostly espoused is probably what I can see is what I believe. But I think your experience has been very different, Right. Yes. With with like community and stuff.
1: Yes, it has. It, yeah, I, I really have had a very different. Yeah, okay. So I guess we can get into that now if, if, we if you to. want. I know you.
0: I know you wanted to continue your own thought. I.
1: Well, I mean, basically, basically the the what the documentary does is it goes from it then it goes into all these different branches of heresy and misinformation before sort of and even getting into it, they get into the point about why this stuff is so important why you know doctrine divides. But it kind of has to. Jesus came to bring a sword, and right. there will be someday. There'll be an ultimate division of people who get to go to heaven, people who don't. You know, and the, there's this call to just like, oh well, let's just live and let live. You know, who nobody's perfect theology. Who are we to point out these things? But these things are important. Bad theology kills people. Yeah, it really does. You know, my wife, who's a missionary, she told me a story about going to. Um, she was visiting a group of people, and the group of people. They had only had one other missionary come through, and they gave a sermon about Jesus being the bread of life, or the something like that. And when the group, when a second group came through, the people were eating pages of the Bible because that's all they—they they assume that's what you're supposed to be doing. Like nobody had taught them differently, and that's not the most extreme example of the world. I like that story because it illustrates this in an almost harmless way. But there are much more egregious ways that, that things like this happen. But people not knowing better. Like, you know, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. People who don't know better are going to misapply. And we see that. There's a story in this documentary about a guy who almost dies from mercury poisoning because he assumed that going to the doctor was a sign of a lack of faith. I know somebody who for years and years and years suffered from depression. And people just told her, like, oh, you just got to pray through it. And, you know, she this is someone who's almost committed suicide. And so she finally went to the doctor and they're like, oh, you just have a thyroid problem. Here And they give her one medication and she's been fine ever since because her body just wasn't uh, filtering uh, chemicals and fluids properly. You know, telling people misinformation, like there are so many people who don't go to the doctor because they think it's a lack of faith. People who don't seek medical attention. You know, working in the psychiatric field, I have personally witnessed countless people who they're psychotic, they're violent, they're out in the street we had one patient come in, and oh my gosh, he he was just completely out of his mind. And we finally were able to get him on some medication. And then a week later, he was in the woods battling demons, occurring to himself, naked. I think his parents just don't believe in medication. You know that uh, goes against their beliefs. They don't think that that's a necessary thing. And I don't even know if these people are Christian necessarily, but I've heard some of the same views espoused in many Christian circles, where they're anti-medication because of various reasons. But one of them is you know faith. We just need to pray about it, and it'll be fine. You know, so bad. Theology kills people, and not even just. And I'm focusing these because there's the obvious way in which not knowing who Jesus is, not having proper theology of that, is very bad. You, it, this is the ultimate, you know, damnation. But even getting into more, more outside of that, just basic the way we live our daily lives and the way that these people have distorted that, in trying to convince people that they can just give enough money to go to heaven, to convince people. That they don't need medical attention to think that the ultimate sign of a a good Christian life is to be successful at worldly measures. These are things that are killing the soul of the American church. So, I mean you asked me about my backstory with all of this.
0: The the tragic anime backstory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. People came into my village and killed everyone but me, and I'm coming <laughs> to avenge the death. So I um to give the example of why I so enthusiastically endorse this movie, uh, to be clear, my my father is a good man, and my father is a very conservative Christian man who leans and reformed, and so that's kind of where my familiarity with these types of things come from. And my wife, similarly, was raised in a conservative, uh, non-denominational congregation, not a uh, congregational church. Sorry who similarly had like a very conservative, like very orthodox grounding. We both did. And, but then when we both got into our high school years and then eventually into our college age years, I ended up going to a Pentecostal Bible college and she joined a charismatic missions organization. So we both then, and this is part of the way that God works things together is she and I have very, some very, very real tangible commonalities that really bind us together. This is one of them where we went off and we had these very charismatic, very Pentecostal experiences out of school. Um, Well, in my case, in school and into ministry, in her case, out of school where she was traveling the world. And overall, I would say that we both had very, very positive experiences, which is part of why our theological makeup is so interesting, where I went and I saw and experienced some very amazing things and experienced real movements of the spirit, manifestations of the gifts, all those types of things as to Chi. And we've we've seen some true blue, real miracles, like really miraculous things have happened, you know, before my eyes and before hers, but we also both on Palm returning. And throughout this time, the Lord was very faithful to us. And throughout the time, also, cause I was going to, for, I was going to Bible college. So I was learning proper hermeneutics and exegesis. And the, the teachers and staff of the school were very, very good. I learned, a lot of important things about the Bible and I ended up being even more reformed by the end of my time there because of it. But we also came into a lot of experience, a lot of the bad of these things where gosh, uh, where do you even begin with all this stuff? <laughs> For starters, some of the, some of the people in this film that are highlighted as being bad. I, my school is very direct ties to them. Uh, Benny Hinn in the past has spoken at my school. As a speaker, I was not there for that. I was there when his worship leader did come and speak, and it was one of the most just pants on head crazy things I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Where he got up there and he was talking about how oh, because of this one word, he 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 knew one Greek word, and afterwards, my friend, whose thing is for is uh, ancient languages, which is like a lexicon is dangerous in that guy's hands, where he knew one word that kind of translated to breath. And he would do this whole sermon about how, because of that, when we breathe, these magical things happen upon our breath. And he was like, okay, everyone come on, breathe with me. (laughs) Like all this weird stuff. And usually after a speaker does a sermon, the president of my college would get up on stage and sort of give like a uh, closing benediction or like someone would get up there and give an amazing story about the faith, about faith or talk about like the disciples or, you know, say something really good. And he would pick a five points to focus on or something. He'd be like, wow, like, you know, I hope really, really, you know, you take this this word about face to heart today or, you know, oh, when God says to love our neighbor, I hope you all remember to love your neighbors today. You know, that kind of thing. Whatever. After this guy spoke, he got up there and just went, boy, that was something, huh? We really heard something today, huh? <laughs> just didn't even try to like save it. just Totally buried him in front of everyone. You know, but that was kind of part for the course. We would have chapel five times a week. When we'd have like a prayer and fasting day or we would have like a special service, sometimes we'd be at chapel six or seven times. Plus, you're supposed to go to church twice on Sunday, um, part of your internships and stuff. So I went to I saw a lot of sermons and was at a lot of ser- worship services, uh, which is its own discussion for another day. But five out of my six speakers would be great. You got presidents of organizations, people who are high ups in the assemblies of God because the AG officially endorsed the school like Dick Brogdon, who's head of the Live Dead movement, came and spoke. We had like celebrated authors and speakers come in. A lot of them really, really good really Orthodox speakers. But there are also these other guys who get in and, you know, we'd someone get up and say from the pulpit, if you're a Christian, you're never going to get cancer. And my friend whose father died of cancer had to be held back by students from rushing the podium. We had people get up and talk about how one guy have said that Hillary Clinton was a lesbian for some reason. I have no idea what that had to do with the sermon, but it came up. <laughs> we had someone get up and it was doing all this stuff. And he just accidentally said the word of God was inspired. Whoopsie. Uh, that did not go over well. He said the word of God wasn't inspired. No. That the he, word- he got up there and he was just, he was in the spirit, man. He was getting all charismatic and he was walking around and it was like, you know, the word of God, on its own it doesn't do anything or something like <laughs> no! that and everyone just the air went out of the room everyone's kind of looked at each other So people started snickering and then he just like paused and he could tell he's like oh no i've lost him <laughs> and he just yeah. was like but because the holy spirit did inspire it like he was trying to backtrack it didn't <sighs> um it, there was an amazing moment where one time i was sitting in front of who's the guy who's now the dean of academics by the time he was just like the head of um like the theology department some guy went up there and just said something and then he just the teacher behind me just went no that's not right And he just pulls out his bible oh. and he's like talking to the people around him and i was hearing a second sermon behind me and you think but to be fair the guy said something really wild like paul did not he said paul did not travel to these areas to preach or something like that, and he was just like, "What are you talking about?" He was just going through like the epistles and just be like, "Here he went. Here, here he went. Here."
0: If anything, that is a that is the example of when it's a and it's a pay okay <laughs> for you to just stand up and call somebody out at the pulpit.
1: Yeah, I have seen that happen as well at my school. So we are as a Pentecostal school, we believe in the gifts, and you know, people would during worship, someone would get up and start speaking in tongues aloud in front of the entire congregation to be paused, and someone would get up and give a interpretation and which just i know there's people who just outright don't think that that's the type of thing that should happen or does happen And that's a discussion for another time but there were times where someone would give an interpretation oh boy a man oh man was it not good someone got up and was like god is angry with all of us god is going to destroy us you know or something and the president of school just went up and was like that's not what the word of god sit down be quiet that's not of god (laughs) of god just bam done you know just cut them out on the knees, which is good stuff. You know, there is, and of course, the people who've been there a while have stories from the past. One person said there was someone spoke at times and someone gave interpretation and their interpretation was this, Melvin. Thus saith the Lord, which if you're going to, man, if you're going to start with that, you better be, you better fall you better some heat. Something you, yeah. uh, it was Moses who led people out of the ark, being the ark that Noah built and there was a pause oops saith the lord it was in fact noah who built the ark and it was just like oh god's autocorrect and his texting must have messed up oh we must have gotten that (laughs) word wrong
0: signal error yeah it's just uh, just some lag oops saith
1: the lord apparently became an inside joke at school for a while after that um
0: <laughs> so that's a good inside joke
1: <laughs> and uh you know there isn't there was another instance where a speaker in the olden days got up and gave a sermon about how it and this is a missionary how he was starving in the wilderness and he prayed and god turned a plank of wood into a into a medium rare steak which as at the time the school was a faith-based school where like teachers are preaching for free I mean, uh, teaching for free and preaching for free. And like they didn't have food in the cafeteria. They would just pray and food trucks would break down outside of school and they would just give them all the food because it would go bad. And so while they're eating their, you know, 10th potato meal of that week, they all would joke around and be like, oh, maybe we should start praying. The Lord might turn these potatoes into steaks, you know. (laughs) And so if you needed a better example between like real radical faith and sort of the hibbity jibbity wild. Charismatic chaos, as John MacArthur put it, I think there you go. And so, part of why I bring all of this up is I had really great teachers, people who were Bible believing, God fearing people who really believed in proper humanity and exegesis. But there's this unfortunate, uncomfortable marriage with these prosperity, health and wealth, word of faith type of people, where there's someone on the board of my school who is one of these people who I'm not going to name names. But he is very tied up in these. He's involved with like the River Bible Institute with Harry Todd Brown. We've had this guy, Jonathan Shellsworth speak at our school who says, you know, one of those you'll never get sick kind of people. And there's actually a blacklist in my school for speakers where people who are not allowed to come back because they got up and said something heretical because this is such a prevalent problem. And a lot of the people at my school come to our school as students. And some of them, their goal is to become these traveling ministers who, you know, these types of ministries jesse duplanis who is featured in the documentary is a guy who god wanted him to have a jet and he said you know if jesus around you probably use a jet too i have there are alumni people that are friends of mine who do ministry with him and there is an online debate at one point where people were like this is uh, this is obscene how dare he use god's name to get a jet and he chimed in and started posting pictures of himself on the jet in question so i have seen this jet that we have mentioned in american gospel it's very nice uh probably could use the money for something else, but who am I to judge, you know? And so there's this unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, Dan, who marriage, are you to judge? Yeah. Where <laughs> I've seen the real damage that these things have done, both in the life of people I know. There was a student in the past who someone gave him a word that if Jesus survived 40 days in the desert without eating, then neither should he. And he refused to eat and eventually he was asked to leave the school and he actually ended up dying. Oh, man. there are multiple people from my school who refuse to go to the doctor and they they share these beliefs in their ministry and they're doing missions overseas and now we're seeing and this is something john piper talks talked about well a video of john piper talked about in the documentary where now these these views are being exported to the rest of the world and you know my wife has witnessed these types of things go awry and whether it's you know missionaries who just been out in the field too long unsupervised who ended up sort of drifting into some bad beliefs or they're spreading these misinformation all these places and the problem my big beef with these traveling ministers who put up their tents and have healing services and what whatever is they roll into a town they do their ministry they plant seeds quote unquote but these people don't have churches to go to there's no grounding the the the, the great commission is going to all the world to make disciples of all nations, not get people to raise their hand in an altar. And there needs to be this discipleship progress. And yeah, it's easy when you're in the position of them to go into these places and think that only God only does miracles and there's never an actual discipling process. You just to go roll see people on stage with their bum back and bum knee that you can't actually see dance around after someone prays for them. You don't have to sit there and do the work. You don't have to sit there and see people continue to suffer. You don't have to, you don't have to do the actual pastoral thing and visit people in the hospital and be there and shepherd people along as they enter into their eternal reward. And sometimes these people lead to cults being formed where, because one minister came through, said some wild stuff and no one was there to, to undo the damage that he he's done. Suddenly there's these people with these half formed, like half like explained beliefs. They're just sort of left on their own and that's dangerous. Um, You know, I, I've shared I, this might've been shared in the episode that got, that has been lost, but there's a cult in Korea you may have heard of them. They're the people that caused the big COVID outbreak in South Korea because their leader mandated that no one wear masks in the church. And they all sat very closely together. Patient 34, 35 is what they're called. But they send people, agents from their cult to these revival meetings that take place in Korea and these services and the outreaches because there's vulnerable people that are prey on where they go, oh, you want to go to church? You should come to our church. You know, they just pull them away and those poor people fall into some Wack stuff because there's no one there to really shepherd these people. You know, I could talk forever about this stuff. I've, you know, there was a teacher from my school who got fired because he kept insisting that depression was just an emotion and it's not real and if it's just a sign of bad faith.
0: How does he get through the Psalms? Because <laughs> Psalms is filled your guess with is as good depression.
1: as mine, Melvin. I mean this this guy he uh, a member of his congregation. He's a pastor. Got into a car accident. And he told him this because he had sin in his life. So, you know, that's this type of thinking gone to extreme where you just. If if God, if, and they talk about this in the American gospel, if God never. If your faith is directly proportional to whether or not good things happen to you, then any fault or any calamity that happens in your life is directly your fault, it is because of your lack of faith or because of something you're doing. So, you know, there you go. I mean, where else do these beliefs go? I was yelled at by a staff member at my school because I made a joke online about how oh, man, like oh you know, because of this debt I have to pay as a school, I'm gonna end up homeless someday or something like that. And I I would just this was a this was my Facebook. This was me talking to people that are friends of mine. And they called me and they started screaming at me. And that's not hyperbole. They were screaming at me. They're like, how dare you declare this over your life? Words of power of life and death. You're gonna like like how dare you say this about our school, like all this stuff. And I said I was like, but I'm, I'm joking. I was like, when I say I'm starving, it's just a matter of free speech. I'm not literally starving to death. if I'm hungry. And there was a pause. And they looked at me. They're like words have power for life and death and like all this stuff. And for those who do not know that passage does not mean that when you say something, you've cast a magic spell and it's going to immediately happen. I hope that's not how you read in the Bible, but that's apparently how this person was, you know, and this is just kind of the, part of the environment that i was in for years and years where someone got mad at me because i made a joke about not liking somebody whistling outside of my door and saying like oh man i hope you have a bad day and they're like how dare you declare that over their life they're gonna have a bad day now i said i don't think so 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 (laughs) so i said okay i wish nothing but death and destruction upon everyone in this comment thread and then a year later I commented back I was like, so did everyone die did it work <laughs> like <laughs> y'all still alive and they were all still alive so
0: well that's good to hear I
1: guess that's not, I just guess I guess I don't have enough faith and that's what's so funny about these things is it's like if you think about them for five seconds it just doesn't make sense it there's no it just doesn't logically hold up
0: well it turns it turns faith into work yeah it, it completely turns faith into work if you have to
1: level up your faith and,
0: and that's what's so Complicate, like it feels really
1: they're grinding yeah yeah
0: your your faith is purely dependent on what you say and do and everything okay now it's works
1: you you last time we recorded this episode you asked me an interesting question which is you were like oh like is this stuff really that prevalent like is this really that seeped into the american culture and american church because which is interesting because you know somebody who's really in the church culture i'm in multiple like a lot of my friend circles are people who are in ministry, were in ministry or pursuing ministry. So like, I kind of have a more grounds eye view of these types of issues and how like just far reaching it is. And the answer is yes. Like these, this for a lot of people, when they think Christian, they think Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, TD Jakes, like all these people. Sure. Who have books in Barnes and Noble. And like this stuff is very dangerous and it's everywhere. Mm. And so to circle back to one of the initial things we were talking about, we're like, okay, like I'm worried this thing's going to be kind of preaching to the choir a little bit. And I think it is wrong to treat this movie like, oh, my friends have all these questions. And rather than engage them about why I think Joel Osteen's not a good, or Joseph Prince isn't like a good whole source of spiritual nourishment, I'm just going to send them this movie and this will do all my arguing for me. I think this is a great conversation starter. I think it is a great way to sort of begin, because for some people – I know a lot of people were deep down. They have these concerns. Like I mentioned, but I have a friend who got saved to Joel's ministry. This is somebody who does not go to church, did not get raised in a Christian home, is in a relationship with somebody who's not Christian. After a couple of weeks or months or so of watching his stuff, she was just like, I feel like he's more a motivational speaker than a pastor. And this is somebody where this is the only Christian thing they have in their life, really. And then they start reading the Bible independent of that. So I think a lot of people, they do have these underlying like that kind of doesn't make any sense. I in, It is kind of like a, the secret kind of thing where they look at these people like you look at a self-help book and when it doesn't get the results they want after a couple of months they just drop it and move on to something else. But for a lot of people, this is what they think of when they think Christianity. And I think having this movie that can be like a starting point where you can be like, hey, check this out and then like, let's talk about it. And so like, I you know, after watching this, you know, I was able to to my, my mother-in-law had one big uh critique that she would like to throw in which is that she felt like because of the again the whole structure thing she felt like she needed to pause the movie every five ten minutes just to think about what they had said because it's so much information so quickly and so constantly like uh, someone turned on a fire hose and was spraying them in the face with uh, <laughs> bible stuff because you that's the thing you need with the conversation is you need like a common place to start And you need there to be some sort of common ground. Because even if we're talking about prosperity gospel, even if we're talking about woke church, even if we're talking about conservative Christian, liberal Christian, inerrancy, what the gospel is, everyone's starting a different place. Everyone has different definitions of what all these words mean. And so having this common place of like, okay, based on what's in this movie, what do you think? And like, where can we start having these conversations? I think that's a real value of the film because for people like you and me and my wife, who this is kind of just someone externalizing all these thoughts you've already had inside ourselves for so long. It's a great experience. And, you know, I teared up at a couple of points. We, my wife and I both got emotional watching it because there's so many things, there's so many beautiful moments and beautiful bits in, the, in this film about the grace of God and the way he's so good and how he's if, sufficient where you know people who are sick and they're like you know if god doesn't give me another thing in my entire life if i never get physically healed on this side of eternity god is enough like that's powerful stuff but to the uninitiated there's going to be who knows what roadblocks are because you know everyone's coming at this film from a different place everyone has different church experience christian experience you know one of the things you and i wanted to talk about which i don't know if we're ever going to get to because we're hitting in like over an hour at this point is our experience with just reform culture as a whole which that might be a discussion for another time, but it is something to contend with. Where, for a lot of people, when they think, and this is, I, there are people in my extended family who are like this. Where if you try and correct their doctrine or be like, "Hey, I don't know about that thing you're saying," they're like, "Oh, you're so self self righteous." When you but like, there's a sense of like, "Oh, if you're one of those people that cares about like really getting into the Bible, you're just too religious, man. This ain't about religion, you know, that kind of thing." And there's this whole wall that separates people from the true beauty and, and, and grace of the Lord and what the Bible really says. And that's a shame. And hopefully this, I think this, this film can be kind of like a ladder, you put up against the wall and start climbing over it. And we can sort of like meet at the top and talk about it. Every group has its problems. Every group has its group think issues. And I think within more conservative reform groups, it's this, like, we're the scholars of Christianity and, no one else knows what they're talking about and all these other people are too emotional too blah blah blah. and on the other end it's like oh those people they're not loving they're not there's no grace there it's just so rough and harsh and hopefully this can sort of be the battering room to knock down the door a little bit that'd be my hope but i've been talking a lot what do you got
0: what do i got Um, (laughs) At the very least, I feel more confident about what I've offered in this episode than the last one. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great.
1: <laughs> it's it's a tough episode because there's so much to talk about, one. and we recorded essentially two completely different episodes.
0: Yeah, it, well, it's like a different edit. Like it's the same yeah. content, but a little different <laughs> order and stuff. This is this the, is uh, yeah. the, final, the final cut. Uh, <laughs> the less less green, the filter. Richard Donner
1: cut of our Richard of our Donner. <laughs> cut.
0: Yeah, I I think. <sighs> Especially with that last thing you said about like this de- over dependence on like the academic side of the Christian life. I remember one of the first books I read when starting to read a lot of Christian literature, and I apologize for not having the name. In fact, I talked about this on the phone with somebody earlier today, and I didn't even have the name then. So I should have looked it up. I think the Lord was speaking to me then. But the top, the ta- it was a very short little booklet, and it was supposed to be for people who were like just diving into theology, that sort of thing. And one of the the big assertion with the book is that seeking to have a massive understanding of doctrine is not the gospel. And he was then making a case for there are like Christianity and the gospel stands on its own. Now, he was not arguing that you just need to know the gospel and that's it like you just need to know about it don't read the bible don't understand complex things don't relate to particularly he's not arguing that what he was arguing is that you you could be a christian who is very well versed in what the lord teaches and have this have the word written on your heart without having the particular christianese terms i i think the biggest comparison is that you you <sighs> A little buzzwordy and will sound irrelevant, but it's not. You know how like some people say that movie has an agenda, yeah, and things like that. Yeah. Well, guess what? There are papers that have a thesis, and there are films that have a message, and there are all of that. Really, is arguing the same thing. What this book is basically arguing is that don't get overly dependent on the particular titles and definitions of things, and understand that like, man, language is diverse and. There are different ways to approach things without necessarily saying the wrong thing. And I think some people might feel uncomfortable about that because it almost sounds like what you're saying is that what all doctrines accurate, all all belief systems lead to the same God. No, that's not what was being argued. What was being argued is that sometimes doctrine can be met <laughs> through different passages doctrine can be met through different experiences and they might not have the exact same name for it as the person who's in seminary has has for it but it's the same jesus that's speaking through this person there's it's still just as christian as anything else would be if it was purely based on the gospel and purely based through the spirit. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying? I yeah. I feel like there's some clarification needed for that, but like, I'm going to get
1: on one of my soap boxes if that's okay. Uh,
0: sure. I do want to clarify one last thing and say, the only oh, reason yeah, sure, I sure. say all that is because when you're usually in, and I think it's specifically like my, my experience with most reformed circles and particular groups that make me feel like I have to defend this particular position is because there are people who argue adamantly for particular things and particular beliefs and all that stuff, which, yes, if you're arguing for the gospel and for the Lord, that's a really great and wonderful thing. But there are some ways in which the way they are dictating these things that is very callous and nasty and very hoity-toity like you described it's like we are the biblical academics we are yeah. the ones who study we are the ones who have the answer and to
1: be, and to be clear i'm speaking of like a general like right. stereotype not, i'm not saying people are like that yeah i'm just saying that's perception this is
0: probably it's like a vocal minority because typically yeah. i feel like people who don't people who don't think this way don't feel inclined to type things out <laughs> you know what i mean they might be a bit more passive about it and so i only say all that to clarify like my brief minor experiences and then kind of my step away from it but i'm excited to hear what your soapbox has for well
1: you. to st- start off i would also want to say that the the same is also on the other end when i was in ag school absolutely absolutely the number of speakers are coming and go i thank god that there's school training biblical ministers and pentecostal ministers and the sense the there's a the vibe of like man, if it ain't spirit-filled, it ain't good. You know, all those other Christians, it's a shame they're not spirit-filled like we are. Right. And then to go from that to the other end of the spectrum where, like, first off, they think all charismatics are, like, crazy, or a lot of people think charismatics are heretics. To then go to the other end of the spectrum where it's the same thing, just with different dogmas plugged in. Yeah. That has been an interesting experience where you just go from one end of the spectrum to the other where it's just like, you know, oh, dear Lord, I thank you that I'm not like the people over there. It's just something that I've experienced in both of these camps and in a couple other camps. One of the things that really, I, I guess one of the reasons why this film struck me the way it did and why I so enthusiastically embraced it for what it is, is one of my soap boxes is just the sense that there is a underlying biblical illiteracy in the church. And this is something the president of my college was big on and something that I, have gotten more passionate about as time goes on, because I just feel like there's just a lack of knowledge among the people of God, where most of these people that we feature in the documentary, the, the Todd Weiss, the Joseph Princes, the Joel these people would not be nearly successful as they are now if the people just knew better, because they're just taking in wanderers and seekers and people who are just looking for someone to tell them that, they can achieve and they're mighty and they're powerful and if only they would look within they would have the ability to overcome their obstacles which are their mean boss and their romance troubles and their financial issues which are all bad things not to
0: not to undermine those things yeah
1: those are undeniably bad things there is
0: there is immense misery to knowing that a third of your life is spent with a bad boss so but but i know what you're saying i just wanted to validate anybody who's struggling with a bad boss or bad relationship.
1: <laughs> so. Right. And th- no, these, that's why there's such issues. That's why people are right. looking for pr- ways to solve them is because these are the issues of the things that I face us every day. But if Joe Osteen can't fix, fix these problems, they'll just move on. To the next thing that promises that it will, and these people will just continue to move on for quick, rich schemes and easy fixes, that they could visualize, and the universe will provide for them, and so on and so forth. And these people would not be able to get their haunt their, their hooks into people if there was just a larger awareness of what Scripture actually teaches. And when we we, we get into what the American Gospel is, is, is presenting, it, part of their thesis is that the average person just doesn't know any of this stuff. They don't, They really could not have pressed explain what the gospel is. They could not have pressed explain why these doctrines that these people are espousing are inaccurate or dangerous. And what I've noticed, and one of the things that I've seen in my school and see now, the more time I spend in ministry, is just a large number of people that claim to love the Lord. And they love God, and they really do. Deep down in their heart, they love God. But my question for them will always be, it's like, who do you talk about? Who who do you love? Explain to me who God is. Who is God to you? And unfortunately, what I hear from some people is what they describe is not God at all. What they have is what Timothy Keller calls a step for God, a God of their own creation, who tells them that they'll never get sick and that they'll never have troubles in this world and that the wallets will always be full and their stomach will never be empty. And what they have created is... A, some mixture of the american dream and self-help guru and some stuff from the bible that they've they've stuck together with paper clips and gum and they've created a false idol that they worship and that to me is very tragic Where they just don't know or people who like oh i'm a christian and i'm passionate about god and his word and they don't know a single thing about it if people feel passion and vigor and just a desire to spread the word or perhaps even do missions and go overseas, or, you know, maybe they've thought about doing some lay ministry of their own, but they've, there's nothing in the tank to share. You know, they have, their cup is not full, so they cannot pour into other people. And it's just something so tragic about people who love a God they do not know. And their are passionate about a word that they cannot explain or describe or teach themselves. And that to me is this is the underlying problem underneath all of this, where there would be no Bill Johnson claiming that Jesus was not, in fact, Christ. There would be no Kenneth Copeland saying the various absolutely insane things that, he, that uh, are yeah. laid out in this film.
0: Absolutely insane. And
1: perhaps that the American gospel that's being explored across the world would be the gospel of Christ crucified and all that, as opposed to Whatever it is that Joel Osteen preaches, who I've not been able to even pinpoint down what it actually is, his theological thesis of any kind um, in watching his stuff. And that to me is the, the real underlying tragedy and what I would hope would be sort of the response to this film and its sequel and maybe the thing that is going to come out of this pandemic of people who have been stuck at home and have actually been forced to go back to their knees in prayer is just a resparking sparking of passion for God's word and to get to know him and to spend time with him and to worship him for who he is yeah. and seek that he be glorified in every area of our life, as opposed to a guy you visit on Sunday who hopefully <laughs> you get that promotion at work because you prayed and put some money in the plate or whatever. Yeah. And that's why I like this movie.
0: Yeah, it's a good movie. It's it, it is. I think a good description is, it's discombobulated yet effective. I think it's very clear. Yeah. I think it's effective. I think it's a little messy, but man, there are plenty of movies I've watched that are could be could fit that bill. <laughs> like, it's good. It's a good movie. I'm really glad we watched it. I'm glad we covered it. I'm glad it's on Netflix. I think that's awesome that people can just if they already got Netflix, which most people do. I think what they have like a they're getting closer to a 200 million users, right? Wow, uh, and almost.
1: That's... And how many, how much, how bigger is that number when you factor in people sharing passwords and using their friends' accounts, you know?
0: Yeah, it, this is on Netflix at this point, and you might as well check it out. It's I think it's a good place to get people on the same page and have a discussion with friends like I was getting into in the beginning. Like, I watched it with a friend who was a bit younger in faith and didn't really understand bigger topics. And this film... Handles that very well, including the gospel. Like I said, it's it's forty minutes, but it's a very good very good and clear description of what the gospel is, which really does ground the rest of the film and and, and how, how dangerous prosperity and health and wealth can be. Which if I might add, growing up in an a religious area, I mean I Knew that like Joel Osteen, Todd White, individ- Benny Hintz type stuff was bad. I just didn't have a name for it. I didn't have stories to it. I didn't have like the particular doctrinal errors apart from their conning people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right, yeah. in that alone, very good and informative for people who are like me who, you know, know they are dangerous teachers, poten- potentially wolf in sheep clothing. And in-, in the case of Kenneth Copeland, most definitely wolf in sheep's clothing. But Um, yeah, definitely one to check out. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you've seen American Gospel, Christ Alone, what did you think of it? Is this film as powerful as Daniel and I feel it is? Or is it a bit too long for you to get into? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way is to leave your thoughts on the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast, just like this one. You also gain access to the SinDoc pre-show the Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. Special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, mom, dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All of this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.